0: God's favor which is critically important and um, and I need you to join me in that prayer too Abba Father I love you I love your people love your word and I ask that you give an unusual grace and favor as we hear the life-giving truth of your word please thank you that we uh, can come boldly to your throne because of unfailing love would you please bless right now in the name of Christ. I pray, amen. Also, those on Facebook live stream, thank you, and also on the app. Um, we welcome questions and comments, so please send those to Stephen, and we'll feel those. So, in the beginning, walking through Genesis, and uh, Noah and the Ark is a big, big story. I want you to get a little bit of history and review. Last Sunday, we covered uh, the teaching that we, that we cover our kids with grace and the gospel and how Adam and Eve learned to make garments of skin and how that went down through the generations. Now, in order to give you some encouragement about about Adam and Eve, you know, sometimes you come across a a meme that just gets at the heart of things. And I thought, maybe this might encourage you this morning. So I'll let you think about that and read that. Gordon, you know, you're very wise. Okay, Gordon, Gordon is choosing to remain silent, and I thought, you know, that's pretty, that's kind of favoring the male side of things, which we can't leave, so I tried to find something about Eve, I couldn't do it, the only thing I could come up with is, is this right here, these are baby pictures of Adam and Eve, and I thought, okay, that's pretty cute, so, so you know, we, we appreciate these things, thank you, Sloan, so, um, alright, let's talk about Noah's Ark. Um, And by the way, I'm going to be sensitive to little ears this morning. Uh, Typically, when you think of Noah's Ark, this is where you go in your mind. You're in vacation Bible school. You're in Sunday school. And there's this beautiful cartoonish-like ark and all these things. And we we think, oh, this is a cute story. This is so cute. Uh, But if you read and you, you really soak it up, uh this story is intense and it's it's full of heartbreaking realities of what humans are capable of and how god has to give an answer and how god has to deal with this stuff i was talking to lisa last night and i and i said lisa you know what in a way in a way it would be so much easier for me to uh, just, just kind of close this book a little bit, you know, and, and not get so focused on it and just say, hey, here's five steps you can apply to improve your relationship. Mommy. And here's seven things you can do to increase your happiness quotient and, and, and do some pop psychology and pop religious candy and, and we'd all be, oh, that's so sweet, you know, and, and all that. But I go... You know, at least there's no way I can do that. And when you believe, and Christ, I'm about to make a statement that, that I know you appreciate. When you really do believe God's word, and you believe it in such a way that it's not just a uh, kind of a cheap devotional kind of thing, but it is the living, breathing word of God. And you believe in, in Hebrews 4, Janice, that it's a sword. It's alive. And it can get at heart issues just like that then then this is life changing it's really life changing and um, thank you thank you for not being the pop religion church thank you thank you for having an, an appetite and a commitment that you're serious about god 's word and and that means so much to me so Okay, uh, what I wanna do, because we're gonna cover a big, big chunk, chapters six to nine in Genesis, I'm gonna grab and pick some key sections of the, of the chapters that get at the heart of the story, and then I'm really excited to turn it over to you because you speak with wisdom and grace and truth, and it's gonna be beautiful. So this is a shot of the ark that's in Kentucky, uh, designed by Ken Ham and his team, uh, it is reported that this is the largest wooden structure in the world. And a lot of the craftsmen, Mason, were skilled Amish craftsmen. An amazing story on the people that actually built this thing. It's a fascinating thing. Now, is it, is it exact to the design specs? No, because there's a little bit that's unknown about that. But the dimensions are spot on. This thing is massive, longer than a football field, multiple decks, two trailer trucks wide. This is a massive, massive thing. And for those of you that are, that are into physics, uh, based on the specifications, this would never turn over, even the most tumultuous water. It would not flip. The design is genius. And so that's, uh, that's a glimpse of what the art could have possibly look like? All right, let's talk about planet earth. <laughs> How bad was it? How bad was it getting on planet earth? Uh, really bad. Okay, let's, and let's look at this. I want, you to, I want you to appreciate the power of choice, okay? I'm going to challenge you with a very complex idea. I want to try to say it in such a way that it, it's accessible. Uh, if you are like me, I have often questioned, why did God give Adam and Eve choice? Why? It would have been so much easier if God didn't give that choice. And and, and, and Sonny, there would be no pain, no suffering, no child abuse. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a perfect world? And how beautiful that would be. But God gave Adam and Eve the ability to make a choice. And in their humanity, you and I know this story, they chose to directly rebel against God. Okay. Question, I want to get you thinking. I love this. And you know Christchurch is, is a place where I expect you to bring your brains and I expect you to use them. All right, you ready? Where did Satan come from? Heaven. What's that? Heaven Heaven came from heaven. How did he get there? God made him. God made him. Anybody else? Yes, um, in fact, he's possibly in Hebrew. He's called the Son of the Morning, or possibly translated the One Who Awakens the Dawn. That was his name, and it's possible. It, it, there's not a lot of scripture on this. We're trying to put it together. Mm-hmm. That he led worship in heaven. You may have heard this before. Sloane, I got a nod. You may have led worship in heaven, and during maybe during one of their great worship services, I bet it was awesome, he somehow, the idea of jealousy set in. And he decided he wanted to be worshipped too. And in fact, Bill, you remember, he wanted to exalt himself over God. All right? And then there was a confrontation. Right? And after the confrontation, what happened? And who did he take with him? One third of the earth. A third of the angels. All right, now, for me and you, now we're talking about Satan and demons now. All right? Are you ready? Why would God give the power of choice in his own house? I will. Did you will. Did you, did, you, did you connect the dots here? In the Garden of Eden, he gave Adam and Eve choice and we wrestle with that because that's our house. That's where we live, right? But do you realize God did that in heaven, in his house? Wow. Janice? This is the way that those that want to be with him will be with him. Interesting, and nobody's huh? forced, because God is a gentleman in that way, is forced to be someplace yeah. they don't want to be. It's fascinating. However, I'm looking forward to the time when that
1: choice is taken <laughs> away. <laughs> You
0: know, choice gets, it's in trouble. By the way, who's the guy that, is it Kroger, that made these food products called Healthy Choice? Huh, you know, they're already making me feel bad, just well, Healthy Choice. <laughs> um, isn't it interesting that God allowed, uh, I'm using human language to talk about big heavenly things, so bear with me, that God allowed <clears throat> risk. He allowed risk in his own kingdom. And boy, did it happen. A horrific rebellion in the heavenlies, right? And then when he, in the fullness of time, he decided to create the Garden of Eden and and the earth. Uh, He created created the system with risk. The ability to make a good choice and the ability to make a bad choice. Wow. I think God, I, I, I appreciate Hebrews 4, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. I believe that Jesus knows what it's like to live uh, in June 27th, 2021. I think he knows what our culture feels like. I think he knows temptation. I think God does too. I think God understands risk and the power of choice because he allowed it in his own house, not just the Garden of Eden. Okay, there's your setup. How bad was it on, on earth? Let me show you. This is Genesis 4. So there's this man named Lamech. Now Lamech is the third great, great, great grandson of Cain. And when you when you read this, it says this, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Pay attention to my words, for I have killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is a vain seven times, then Lamech, 77 times. Does anybody know what you're reading? In terms of writing style, Tammy, I know you do. What do you automatically know about these lyrics? Well, I, I didn't mean to say lyrics. I just gave it away. <laughs> it's, a, a, dur, it's a song. It's a song. Jay, He's not just giving some history. This is the song. Are you ready to appreciate this? Who in the world would write a song bragging about killing people? Who would do that? What's going to happen in their mind that they're bragging about that? It was a tough place to live. In fact, look what Genesis says, how God assesses the condition of earth. Look at this. Now it came about when mankind began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with man forever, because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim, the giants, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of mankind and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. So there's a population explosion and there, there is this language of, of procreation that's going on. Now, a lot of people read Genesis 6, 1 to 4 and they go, aliens? <laughs> Can you imagine what you could do with this? You know, supernatural heavenly creatures, beings coming down and, inter- and intermarrying with humans. By the way, in Greek mythology, that plays right in. That's how, in the Greek mythology, that's what would happen. Zeus came down and impregnated a woman or something like that. Uh, I do not read the text that way at all. Okay. Who were the sons of God? Someone else. Men who followed God, good. Okay, then who are the daughters of mankind? Sinful. What's that? Sinful, Sinful good. Um, actually, here's, here's how I'd like for you to consider it. When you read the report, the scriptures about the Adam and Eve event and the creation event, who was created in the image of God? Think before you answer, who was created in the image of God? Adam specifically. Now, in chapter one, it does say both male and female in the image of God, but it specifically says Adam's made in the image of God, and Eve is made in the image of Adam. Adam. That is typical language in the Old and New Testament. Okay, so therefore, a son of God is the sons of Adam, the the daughters of Eve are the daughters of mankind. The, the Daughters of Eve, yeah. I do not believe that there is supernatural procreation going on where heavenly supernatural creatures are coming down, and, and that's where the giants came from. Actually, we all know that the giants come from Brazil. That's where they come from. And when they hug me, I... You know, I have felt short many times in my life but there ain't no short like the short you get when you get a hug from Marlon, one of the, the most wonderful people in, in the world. So, all right, Genesis 6, 5. Now watch how earth is described. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great. Okay, this is not a little problem. This is a big problem. And that every intent of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. Think it's getting bad? Yeah. Billboard Top 40, somebody's singing about doing awful things. Does that sound like anybody today, by the way? Who wins a Grammy? He's going, it's mind-blowing. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For humanity had corrupted its way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of humanity has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence. All right, just in that section, what do we appreciate, or what can we say, is one of the primary problems on planet Earth? Violence. violence. Wow. It is an awful and terrible thing that's going on. So much so that God has to intervene. Let's talk about no. Let's do a contrast. We've got this wicked earth. And the motive of the heart, the, the intent of the mind, is evil continually. And that violence seems to be a key descriptor and how bad it gets. Uh, Brian, on the average, when you're, when you're uh, doing your work, how, is there a percentage of the violent crimes that you have to face? 12%. Probably. 12%, yeah. Now, I've heard that 60% of the average calls a cop rolls up on is domestic.
2: Domestic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which can get violent real fast. Yeah, yeah. Is it fair to say that on some of the ugliest things that you've seen, violence is related? Is that fair? Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. And humans are capable. Yes. Unspeakable things. Yeah, yeah, I respect you. You're a tough as nails, buddy. You are. All right, look how God describes Noah. It says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Wow. Noah did these things according to everything that God had commanded him. So he did. Then the Lord said to Noah and of the ark, you and all your household, for you I have seen to be righteous before me in this generation. So Noah acted in accordance with everything that the Lord had commanded him. Do you see the contrast between those who obey and those who don't? So Noah is being raised as a paradigm that on planet Earth, he's the only one willing to do what God said. In fact, specifically in the language of the text, he's not describing his sons and their wives. He's just describing Noah. (coughs) So this, an act of mercy is gonna be here in just a second here. All right, let's keep pushing. Let's look at the flood. Now the Lord, or rather, now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of water came upon the earth. Then Noah and his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals and animals that were not clean and birds and everything that crawls on the ground, they all went into the ark to Noah by twos, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. Now it came about after the seven days that the waters of the flood came upon the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, and on that day, all the fountains of the deep, the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky were opened. The rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. This is the first time that humans have experienced rain. Uh, how did the earth how was the earth watered prior to this period? Did anybody know? I know. Anybody yes, what? Yes, but it was really an unusual kind of rain. This water came up from the ground. Yeah. The water was, the, the earth was naturally watered by springs, subterranean water sources. Man at this point had never seen rain. Can you imagine? In fact, Sandra, it says in Hebrews 11 that God warned Noah, nor accepted it, and believed things that had never happened. Noah actually said it's like God says hey Noah it's going to rain I want you to build a boat okay uh, I got, copy that on the boat what's rain he didn't know he didn't know um, there are theories on what it means uh, Colton that the, the, wa- the gates of heaven the water broke up um, there are some scientists that argue that's called the hydrosphere and the water sources below the earth broke up and so water came up by the megatons, and that when the hydrosphere collapsed, that it was was enough to cover the highest mountain plus 15 cubits. A absolutely mind-blowing amount of water covered the earth when the hydrosphere collapsed. Uh, It's been argued that when the hydrosphere was in place, Earth was a natural barometric chamber. So do you know what that would mean? In terms of health, Sonny, what do you think? I always think of it as a greenhouse. A greenhouse, absolutely, a terrarium. And healing is accelerated, the aging process is decreased, and man could live six, seven, eight, nine hundred years. Yeah, but when it collapsed, UV radiation pounded the Earth and altered altered our climate so alright Genesis 8 the water is receding and the, the ark is rested on Mount Ararat. verse 6 then it came about at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which had been made and he sent out a raven and it flew here and there until the water had dried up from the earth Then he sent out a dove to see if the water was low on the surface of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of its foot, so it returned to him the ark. For the water was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took it and brought it into the ark to himself. So he waited another seven days longer. And again he sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, in its beak was a fresh olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was low on the earth. And then he waited another seven days and sent out the dove, but it did not return to him again. It's getting time. You remember the rest of the story. Uh, God told him to... Release the, the primary door on the ark, and all the animals uh, walked out, and the the blessing was given, the new covenant, the Noahic covenant, to populate the earth, and God bless them. And I, I, I cannot imagine this scene, Edwin. The doors would open, and the animals would come out to see the sunshine, to breathe that fresh air. Uh, it must have been beyond you know beyond description. And after that, it says that Noah began farming, and he planted a vineyard, he drank some of the wine, became drunk, and uncovered himself in his tent. Now, I'll stop there. You may know the rest of the story. When I read that, you know, you think, um, this is kind of a redo. You know, God, we got a second chance here, right? This is a redo, and it's, it's a good thing, it's a beautiful thing, and... Um, Noah did everything God said to do. And Noah's a blameless man, a righteous man. I guess it may have been hard to be on the ark. You know, he could have been stressed out. Yeah. I I had a client, an amazing client, and so much respect for, for the people that see me. And I, I said to him, well, they responded to me, okay, so if you're telling me I've got to forgive and not be bitter, can I at least have my wine? And I Okay, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm sure it was very difficult and very stressful to go through the flood. And Noah decided to do what he did. And if you know the rest of the story, it's like, what? What? Here we go again. His son, Ham, is like, oh, you know. God spoke to Noah and his sons with him, saying, Now behold, I myself am establishing my covenant with you, and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you the birds, the livestock, and every animal of the earth with you, and all that comes out of the ark, every animal of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be eliminated by the waters of the flood, nor shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I'm making between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all the future generations, I have set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall serve as a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I make a cloud appear over the earth, that the rainbow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. I remember when I first began my studies, one of my professors uh, said, Chris, this is, the bow is not this idea of the pretty colorful thing, although it is, he said in Hebrew language, it's the war bow. The war war bow would be the principal weapon of a soldier. And God says, I'm hanging my war bow in in the sky. What does the New Testament say about Noah? Jesus is teaching in Luke 17 about the end, and he says, just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. What Jesus is saying is most people are not paying attention to what God says. Most people are not paying attention to the times and the seasons. The writer of Hebrews Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for the one who comes to God must believe that he is, he exists, and that he proves to be one who rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Peter writes, for Christ also suffered for sins once for all time, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, and once who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah. During in the construction of the ark, in which of you, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. By the way, Peter goes on to say, it's a whole lot like baptism. There's something about passing through the water. A beautiful story, and the ark represents the salvation of God. Okay, how about this? Adam and Eve, they, man, they messed up. Um, Cain and Abel. Mm. Cain. Lamech. Making a mockery and singing a song about his exploits. And then Noah and Ham. And then me and you. (laughs) We are not better than they. At all. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 3. Please hear this. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a full payment, a propitiation, full payment in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished with the demonstration that is of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So Paul could say that if we, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Where the heart of a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, she confesses, resulting in salvation. But the scripture says, whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. And to experience this righteousness means you're saved. You're on God's ark, which is Jesus Christ. All right. You are the body of Christ. The story of Noah and the ark. It's a massive story that explains structurally deep, big things that we believe as followers of Jesus. Who believe that God, you ready? God didn't make a mistake in that story. He didn't. God knew what he was doing. How does the story of Noah and the ark, the corruption of man all the way up, to when they release the animals off the ark and we get a full redo on planet Earth. And then here we are today. Why does that story matter? And then how should we, as the church, respond to the story of Noah and the ark? You're the church. Speak well. Speak as though God is speaking through you. Why does this matter?
2: says no you're not cutting. and I think that the, the flood story or the, the flood story Noah's redemption says more about God's mercy and his grace than it does about Noah's righteousness we talk about Moses it was credited to him as righteousness he was a man of faith and sometimes it's easy to read that story and say well I'll just keep doing it over until you get it right that doesn't say anything about God's sovereignty if we go back to the story of God's house what happened there there's still choice yeah even after Noah corruption was there sin was not going to go away yeah not until Jesus came to redeem us yeah. and there's there's a beauty in that and then mm. you see chaos you see choice we see all these things that they don't necessarily answer the question why God but they point us to it, a good God who recognize is consistently faithful to us in spite of because of our actions and the flood story seems to me I read it as more of a spotlight on God's goodness and less about how great Noah was Hmm. Noah did things right but not all the time obviously (laughs) especially after the flood so there's there's some real beauty in that And, and seeing how the end result was not so God could start over. He's not a project manager who said, all right, let's just write this slate clean. You're saying, okay, what's the next step in the redemption yeah. of my people? Well, here comes Abraham. Here comes Moses. Yeah. And then here comes Jesus. Yeah. yeah. That is not the height, mm-hmm. I think, of, of God's
0: creativity. Yes. It's Jesus redeeming us. You have answered so well. Hold, hold just a second, Janice. Let me throw a big fancy word at you guys. Have you ever heard of progressive revelation? Does anybody know what that means? Progressive revelation. Does that ring a bell? What it means is when you start to read the Bible, Genesis 1 to the end, Revelation, that truth about God and his plan is dispersed in small, small increments. All right. So it kind of progresses through the timeline so that by the time you and I get the end of the book, oh, We see it. We have the advantage of seeing the big picture. It's progressive as how God reveals himself to us. Um, For example, in Genesis 3, the prophecy given to the woman, Eve, your seed, women don't have seed, your seed will crush the head of the serpent. That's the gospel given in a little snippet. And as you read the whole story, it comes to the end, and we, again, see, see the big picture. So thank you for, for getting that back. Janice, yes?
1: I think um, what this shows us is the, the whole choice thing. Because we are descendants of Adam and Eve with the sin nature, no matter what, we're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And Christ had a choice also to go to the cross or not. And he chose to be obedient to God. Yes. And he was he was able to be 100% obedient because he was God also. Yeah. So it shows us that we can't do it on our own. We just can't. And that choice over the, the flood, I believe everything that the Bible says is true. Mm-hmm. The flood, what's coming in the future, all of that stuff, it just shows we cannot do it on our own.
0: Yeah, yeah, we can't. That's good, Janice. We need to get on the ark, don't we? Yes, get on the ark. Get on the ark. Someone else. Why does this matter? Anybody? Is it saving somebody online. Maybe. Okay. Why does this matter?
3: Chris, we got to be encouraged because if if God has chosen to for these stories and for these people to serve as in his scripture for generations to know, but I'm not going to be mentioned in scripture, right? None of us are. It's already said. Then the way that we act, the way that we fail, um, doesn't compare to, to them. But, so there's hope in knowing that if God is willing to forgive and show mercy and then have it serve as an example of his grace and mercy and we can rest in that, we should, take, we should take hold of that versus being scared of it. Um, we, should, we should grasp that and run to it as hard as we can and as fast as we can. Um, and I know there are some that's, that struggle because we think that we have to do the right thing. We have to do the right thing all the time in order to stay in good favor with God. Um, but it shows, when, I love that uh, slide you showed where it says you and me. We are no different. We're no. no better, no but better. also no worse. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And, yeah. Uh, and so our sin is not so big, bigger than those who have come before us, that God's grace cannot cover us. Also. Yeah. And I would encourage you today to make that decision to to run to Him and not think that you have to continue to earn and wonder when you're going to arrive at goodness enough to where you'll be accepted.
0: God is the just and the justifier of all people. And for those who have faith, you're born again and you are on the ark. You experience the gift of salvation. So, someone else. Yes, Andrew. have sinned huh? and come sure of the glory of God and shaming doesn't help not at all
1: well I mean I guess I'm not saying we can't speak the truth but apparently whatever happened there was just so deeply it just didn't it, that one act just didn't acknowledge the massive thing that Noah had managed to accomplish yeah And so we have it. We have Jesus
0: who comes and he does it right. Yeah. 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 And so John says, Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. Paul writes it uh, in his letter to the Corinthians: He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a gift. What a gift. So should the church be an ark? And we try to get people on the ark? Yeah. Should our homes be an ark? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Someone else. Why does this matter? Anybody? Yes.
4: I'm glad you talked about progressive revelation because that's a, I think, a value. God talks to people in their language. Yes. Uh, and things that we read in here may seem cruel or gruesome. A lot of it is, Frank. Yes. What we have to remember is when we read these Old Testament stories, we must read them through the eyes of Christ because we have the benefit of Jesus having been here to show us how to understand this story. Yes. What does Jesus say uh, when he's asked why the tower fell on the guys in Siloam? So and they're wanting Jesus to get in the dirt on how simple these people were they any more simple than anybody else no either you repent or you will perish we're all guilty and we're all going to perish unless we repent no more guilty than any of the sadistic things that were done in Genesis no more than anything that's ever been done in the history of the world and we all meet the same end eventually unless we repent Yes. Um, and it's important to remember that the other thing that's really wonderful about Noah's story is I don't know maybe I read between the lines too much it seems to me God realized Mass destruction of his people didn't work. Because he then makes a vow and says, I'm not going to do this I, I, I mean, maybe I'm reading into it, but there are other scriptures where we're told that the power of a righteous man is prayer, or prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Yeah. Those of us who are really in tune with God seem to have some ability to work with him in these things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's encouraging to me to know that God whether he realized that mass smiting is not a great way to do business, and, and there's a different way, and that's how the the, the plan we have today came about or what. It seems to me yeah. that he's not a Zeus in the sky in this kind of yeah. He's going yeah. to work with us. He's going to be merciful. He's going to yeah. give us every opportunity to repent. And the story is shows.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's tough, Joe. It's tough. Paul writes in Romans eleven twenty two. Behold, the, the mercy and the fury and punishment of God—the two extremes. By the way, Joe brought some insight because in Deuteronomy 33, Moses is so burned out and worn out, and 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 Israel is 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 rebelling against God. God says, "Okay, we're going to do another redo." And what does Moses say? Do you remember? No, no, please. And so Moses is a redeeming figure at that moment. So you're right. We're all right until we get to the book of Revelation. (laughs) There is a coming judgment. The final judgment. Yeah. And even in Revelation, it's a massive story of grace. Because Eden will be restored. And it will be beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, Chris. Yes, sir.
5: Um, you know, I've, as you know, I've done a lot of acting stuff, theater-related stuff throughout college and whatnot. We had a phrase um, that we refer to um, as post-production depression. Mm-hmm. You get this, you do, the, you know, press to get the set built and do the opening night and have everything done, and it was very common in the week after the production was over people would get sick you know, they, you know their immune systems would go whoosh, crash and it's fascinating how many times in the bible you see prime examples of that exact kind of thing. yes elijah uh, elijah you know he has the big mountaintop experience on mount carmel and then and then he's like just take me now you know like a, a day later you know um and and this this kind of thing with noah and time with Mo, you know, just so many experiences like that, I think a takeaway is just that there there are certainly times in life when we have moments of a spiritual high,
1: mm-hmm.
5: you know, something that's just, wow, this, is, this spoke so much to me and I'm kind of riding on a high, but if we expect to maintain, to just keep riding the high, the wave crashes eventually, you know, and and knowing that i mean talk about large events this is a large event you know and it should have been like we won we we were the ones who came out the backside of this thing we're but instead he's he crashes yeah and under the weight of what this meant and we can have those things in our day-to-day lives and in our, you know, have these big things that seem so wildly important, and we get through it. It's, it's a win. But then, if we're expecting to, much as a certain quarterback I think you're aware of I said at one point, I just won the Super Bowl. Is this it? You know. So. You
0: thank you, Ed. Yeah. Thank you. By the way, uh, thank you. You're, you guys are amazing people adds on to something about post-production depression, but it even goes farther than that. It adds on to it, but it goes farther. How long does it take to plant a grapevine and that vine actually produce grapes that could potentially make wine? Too long. <laughs> Too long. <laughs> Anybody know? It's a year. Seven years. Seven years. Sometimes uh, can we, Sometimes our problems are like a slow burn. You know what? It's just a little something that drags and, and slowly burns you out. And then you finally get to a breaking point over the years. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, You cannot see the kingdom of God. We've got to get on the boat. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the ark. He's it. And if he's not inside of you, if you're not inside of him, you're going to miss the boat. And it's back. You know, and if you've never been baptized, you need to get that done. You need to get that done. And, and show the church that you are a follower of Jesus that way. All right, I'm going to pray and bless, bless us all. Abba, Father, I love you and I thank you. Thank you for the ways that you have revealed truth and grace to us through your word and through your son. Thank you for this church that is, it's a gift. Thank you. Lord, help us. As Patch said, we're we're no better. Stephen said, we're none the worse. But we must be people of grace. Abba, Father, you're kind. You are just. You are the justifier. And your heart is love and mercy. Thank you for these things. Lord, we're going to sing songs that get at our hearts to worship you. Please give grace and favor now, please. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.